Welcome back to Sausage and Egg McMuffiners and Hash Brown in the Middlers. Welcome back to Red or Brown Sauce Debaters and Latte One Sugar Drinkers. And welcome back to those who drive through. We know you missed us. We missed you too. Welcome back to the breakfast you love at McDonald's. Visit mcdonalds.ie for latest restaurant information. You smell something? Put that cookie down! Hello and welcome to the Mighty Motion Picture Rangers. I'm Shane. I'm Chantstar. And I'm Josh. No, I, <laughs> I oh, was going to try oh, and like- Yeah, that would have been good if we could- I'm Josh. I'm like, Josh. You could, Josh has got like a quieter voice. <laughs> yeah, he kind of sits below the microphone a bit, so Josh, yeah, I'm yeah, Josh. Yeah. I'm Josh. <laughs> Sorry, Josh. <laughs> uh, Josh is away once again, the, the joys of retail jobs and weekend work. But um, we've got an interesting episode. We're talking about CGI versus practical. It's a big debate. Mm. I it reckon, is. and I, I like I was having it today with my cinematographer friend. We just CGI versus practical and talking about Rick Baker and all that kind of stuff. I would assume he is very practical. Yeah, he because yeah. he comes from like the, he loves the thing. He loves yeah, yeah, John Carpenter or Sam Raimi, you know, uh, and um, Night of Living Dead Romero. Romero, yeah. So he's big on the practical. But before we get into that, we always start by asking, "What have you been watching?" And as so we do the "What have you watching?" and then our recommendation yeah, bit okay, as like cool, a separate cool. segment. So we are going to come back with that recommendation from two weeks ago. Hey, look at that. Um, it's a thing that's coming back. It's a thing that's coming back. So uh, what have you been watching, Chancellor? Uh, so I've been watching uh, still quite a bit. Um, so I've continued on with Futurama. Now I'm done with the movies. I'm finally into season six, which is the first season that I have not seen at all. Uh, except the third episode was the only episode I had seen, which was the iPhone episode. So I was like, <laughs> oh, well, this is, this is the same thing I've seen still. But I'm about seven seasons, in, uh, seven episodes in, sorry. And it's really exciting to be watching something that, I've watched so much and it's new. Yeah. Uh, there is, there has been one episode that I didn't quite like cause they tried to do the thing that old Futurama did with, uh, with the dog episode or with the brother episode, the which, unexpectedly sad and yeah. emotional episode. And they do one that connects, uh, about Bender and how Bender has a limit. So apparently all the robots have an automatic backup, but Bender doesn't. And he finds out that. So he tries to hunt down the person who certified him as a good robot when he was made. Uh, it, he was looking for inspector number five and Hermes ends up helping him. And the twist at the end is that Hermes was inspector number five and he didn't, he didn't throw Bender out because he saw he was a baby robot and he thought it was sweet. So he Aww. let it on. It's a nice moment, but it plays it to be really like really emotional. I'm like, it wasn't that emotional. No, Come on. not like the dog. <laughs> no, like the exactly. Dog. The, the dog and the brother, they were different things. This is, eh. um, I watched failure to launch. Oh, why would you torture yourself like that? Are, uh, you, are you into BD? Are you into like mass? Sorry. Masochism. Is yeah. The masochism. Like, masochism. Well, you know, I'm into masochism. <laughs> so yes. Um, I, I never saw it when it came out. My mum and my sister rewatched it recently and they hated it. And they, they like How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. They like Matthew McConaughey <laughs> rom-coms. Well, I was going to say, it's very, very similar to how, how, how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. But I love, because I, I didn't look at anything. And I was just like, what about this movie? Let's go. And halfway, halfway through, I realized I love the concept of a movie of the fact that they hire this woman to fake a romantic comedy with this guy to get him to move out. I love that concept. That would be a much better concept done with a quirky film made by New Zealanders. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. It, that would be an amazing movie. But this was 
oh, look, we're kind of making fun of the tropes of rom-coms and then we are every rom-com trope right after that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, like, okay, then I guess. I don't, weirdly, Sarah Jessica Parker doesn't lead a rom-com the way I think they all wanted her to have King come from Sex and the City. Yeah. And she's not, I don't think she's a terrible actress. She can no, do good work, but I feel like in the confines of a rom-com, she's very odd choice to it, even though intellectually she should be a perfect choice for it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Um. Do trailers count? Yeah. Uh, yes. Did you, are you talking about love? Uh, oh, something robots? No, no. I haven't seen the trailer for that yet. It's, I put well, it off. And I found out that Fincher and um, <sighs> one other person are involved with like curating the shorts. It looks bonkers. It's like love, sex, robots. Love, sex and robots. Yeah. Love, sex and robots. And it just looks bonkers. And it's a Netflix anthology of short animated things about love, sex and robots. And it looks like the animatrix on cocaine. Yeah. It looks really cool. And they've got a mix of like. 2D, 3D mixes of the two kind of animation. Uh, any, what's the trailer you're going to uh, Oh, watch? actually, you know what I did watch? I watched um, uh, the latest uh, uh, Wallace and Gromit short, um, uh, loaf, Matter of Loaf and Death. Loaf and Death. I, I hadn't seen it yet. I watched that and I love oh, it. Oh, there's another one on your list that I know you're going to talk about. Um, uh, I'll go mine and then- uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched a movie called Please Stand By, which has got uh, Dakota Fanning and it's she's like an autistic child who's written yeah. a spec script for Star Trek and she needs to make this journey across Los Angeles against the advice of her parents and stuff. It's a sweet movie. It's not groundbreaking, but her performance is kind of reminds you, you go, oh, you yeah, know, she was a really, she is a really good actress. Mm. She just kind of took some time away and her sister became more famous at that point. How weird is that, right? I know, right? It's so weird, but it's a it's a solid movie. Pat Oswalt has a little role in it. Tony Collette in it just as the mom oh, cool. she's the mom so it's like oh no she's she's not the mom she's i a, will say Patton oswald has a small role in failure to launch really yeah i was like holy shit he looks young oh wow um josh and i saw alita battle angel which we yeah. gave our thoughts on um a couple of weeks back now i didn't really like it there's yeah. some the front half is better than the second half but even then like the front half has some cool moments but it's peppered in with just really bad dialogue <laughs> really bad dialogue and moments that are played for drama that are quite funny because they're just unintentionally bad. Um, but we saw Ek Ladki Kodeka Da Aisalaga. Oh, yes, of course. Uh, which is the Bollywood's Love, Simon, essentially, yeah, but with women. And fuck, it's funny. It's is so this, funny. No, it's not your first Bollywood No, film, it's, but, but it's not. I haven't done a lot. Mm. Um, it's so, it's Good. Like it, it's a little rough in places, yeah. but I figure that's, it's, that's the version of Bollywood studio things. Like yeah. there's a lot of studio stuff that were there, but I thought it was really great. I thought the lead actress, she did a really good job. They said mm. some really important things and you're hearing the room kind of bristle a little bit because they didn't expect it to be a bit, it's well, played I, as a twist. I love more. the fact that after, after the twist, after the interval, they specifically say what they're doing with this movie, how they're like, we want to make the story. We want to tell the story. Yeah. Palatable. The movie, cause they're making a thing within the thing and it becomes this weird meta textual yeah. thing, but it never loses. It never becomes ironic, which I thought was no. a really good balancing act. I thought the lead actress, she did a really good job. And the, Oh, I've forgotten his name now. The hunky lead male. He was technically the lead male who like yeah. falls for her and that I was like, Googling the shit out of everything <laughs> he's been in since. And then weirdly he rocked up in IMDb do this like, uh, no small parts yeah. thing. If you've seen this kind of, uh, on, on I, I saw and him they did one, in no small parts. Uh, as well. uh, oh, what was it? What's his name? Uh, Rao. 
Rao, R-A-O is his surname. Oh, fuck. I'm going to have to look it up. It's not Shara Khan, so I don't care. <laughs> um, I read a screenplay called Happy Anniversary by Holly Bricks, mm. which is, this is one of the blacklist screenplays. I'm going to try and include this more because I think reading scripts is a really important yeah. thing that more people need to do. And so this is, it's weird. Reading the script, this is like, if you and I like did the fusion dance from Dragon Ball Z and then became one screenwriter and we wrote a script, this would be the script we would write. All right, cool. What it's would like, happen if we wore the fusion earrings? Cause they did a different type of fusion. Oh, they did too. They did too. Um, it, this is like a, so it's a, a couple, the, the, the premise is a couple is gets a home invasion on their anniversary and things go wrong, but then take like weird twists and turns and the twists and turns it takes. It's like, there's one at the end of act one, one at the end of act two, one to right before the end. And it's such a great, I'd watch the shit out of this movie. This would, And especially if you shot it really well, I really want to see it, but I highly recommend it. If you can check it down, the internet has all those blacklist scripts. It's called happy anniversary by Holly bricks. Um, and then Josh and I also, if Bill street could talk, Oh, great. This movie is fucking beautiful. It's so beautiful. The score is probably one of the best scores of the last five years of all of cinema. It's just, I, I highly recommend it. Go and see it if it's still on cinemas when this comes out, because it's worth it. And they shot on the Alexa 65, but they didn't use it for landscapes. They yeah. actually used it for close-ups. This whole movie oh. lives in a close-up and it was the smartest fucking decision. I'm like, that's what this camera should be for. Uh, it's beautiful, beautiful performances, beautiful writing, everything about it. It's just a very beautiful, very loving kind of movie. Um, and then I've been watching Star Trek Discovery. Oh, great. How is uh, season uh, two? Right? Season two, and I love it. And the budget is clearly like exponentially bigger because yeah. they have some visual effects moments getting onto the topic almost. But like there's some moments where it's like, oh shit, this is like, this could play on a cinema and you would not tell the difference it does. There's a couple like ships floating in space shot that look a bit dodgy weirdly, but like the lasers, there's like a big laser fight thing and someone gets put up into like a gravity thing. And it all, I was watching, I was like, fuck, this looks like a high budget movie. <laughs> the budget on it's apparently insane, somewhere in the realm of like eight to $9 million an episode. Oh, wow. So it's a really expensive TV show because they're trying to compete, the CBS trying to compete with Game of Thrones and they're being smarter, I guess, than, you know, the the NBCs and everything, but they, like they're kind of getting ahead and dumping a lot of money. So it's, I, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I'm loving the actors and everything. And so no, I made like a thirsty tweet about Anthony Rapp. I tweeted yeah. about, I was like, uh, Anthony Rapp's butt in the Starfleet uniform is everything. And I was like, <laughs> hashtag Star Trek discovery, whatever. And then Anthony Rapp liked it. <laughs> oh yeah, he did. Uh, he's, yeah, he's he the guy, did. You, you know, Anthony Rapp from, yeah, 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 yeah. Rent and stuff. And I was like, oh my God, Anthony Rapp liked my, th-. and then I was like, oh my God, Anthony Rapp saw my thirsty tweet about his butt. <laughs> yeah. Just. Awkward or amazing? Kind of both. But I thought we should do our recommendations before now. Before that, oh, I, before. I have trailers to complain about. Uh, one actually has to do with uh, this uh, oh, the Raj topic Kumar today. Rao is his name. Raj ah, Kumar Rao. Um, so the uh, Aladdin trailer dropped this week uh, with our first look at Genie. Now and my you, last look at Genie. Oh, well, I am. His face is, it's not even like his, like his not even his chin and his cheeks, like his literal, like the eyes to the bottom of the mouth. Yeah. And that's been filmed. And then they've stitched that onto like someone else or a CGI body because a nothing CGI else, nothing else is Will Smith. And it's, it, I well, was just like, why? I have, you, you've seen the photos. They showed photos earlier where he's not blue. I am pretty sure he is only blue at the start and then he's going to turn normal size and just look like a human so he can hide in so, place. Yeah. So, and that so that is it what saves I'm the money. Pretty sure they'll do. <laughs> And at first I was like, I hope they don't do that. And then I saw it and I was like, fuck, I hope they do that. Cause 
Jesus could not Christ. live with that. And the internet agrees. There, there is there is one photo online that isn't part of that clip where you see Genie being all big and stuff. And I'm like, in that single photo, it looks good. It doesn't have that really weird quality, but every single frame of him in that thing, it's like his body doesn't move quite at the same speed that his head does. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And it, it really... Uh, disheartened me for a film that I was kind. Why? I was so not jazzed about it at all. I didn't like most of the casting choices except for Hot Jafar. But uh, Hot Jafar's else- voice feels very weak. Like it doesn't seem. But I feel like they haven't mixed it yet. True. Like I feel like true. that's still that sound. It's like you know the Mummy trailer. Ah! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the other trailer I want to speak about is me kind of backtracking on what I spoke about in an episode two weeks ago. Uh, because we spoke about remakes and one of the remakes I specifically said I was really excited about was an all-female version of Dirty Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Scoundrels. I loved the idea of that because the context of the characters really works as women. Like, it completely recontextualizes what happens. Um, And I'm pretty sure I did mention there was the film The Heartbreakers, which is essentially the same uh, concept. It's, uh, I want to say, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Sigourney Weaver, uh, and they're seducing uh, Oldie McOldface, who played Lex Luthor. Um, And not Kevin Spacey, the other one. Uh, I can't remember. Wrong! (laughs) (laughs) And the trailer dropped, and I saw it. It's called The Hustle. And I, I I said all of this not knowing that the trailer was dropping so soon. Mm. I didn't know there was cast involved or anything already. So it is Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. And half of that cast should not have been cast. Yeah. I, and I'm I'm a Rebel Wilson apologist. I love Rebel Wilson. I think, I think she's great. good in the thing she does, but her humor doesn't match everything about the way they're shooting it, everything about the way that and Hathaway is acting, everything about the way the writing is going mm. does not fit her style that she's not bringing to that movie. If she's changed her style or if the movie style matched her, both of those I'm fine. I'm not like a oh, fuck Rebel, Rebel Wilson. No, we don't know. She's fine. I find her, she's great in Pitch Perfect. I really mm. liked her in um, a lot of other things. I'm excited for that Rider. rom-com that's coming out. Mm. The, I'm excited for those kind of things. But wait, did you say Ghost Rider? Yeah, that was her first American film. As in the Nick Cage one? Yeah. I need to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, really? Why? She, she plays a very small role, but even at the time, because she was in, which one was she in? Sketch House or Comedy Inc.? She was. She started the, in one of those. The, 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 the Big the, Bite? The Big Bite, yeah. Yeah, um, so that that had just been on TV recently, and then Ghost Rider came out, and I saw her, and I was like, is that that Australian chick? <laughs> what? She has an American um, accent in but it. But nothing in it matches her. No, not or at she all. doesn't match anything else in the film. And I find that problematic because it just feels disjointed and cheap mm-hmm. and it's doing a disservice to her and a disservice to the movie. Yes. Also in seeing the movie and knowing the original, uh, sorry, in seeing the trailer and knowing the movie as much, the original movie as much as I do, all of the changes are cosmetic. The fact that they're a female changes absolutely nothing in the film. Every single shot in that film, I can go, oh, I know that exact moment in the original movie. It's your favourite movie of all time. Exactly. They have changed nothing. So what the fuck's the point? The only thing they've changed is that Rebel Wilson orders cake instead of beer. I mean, didn't you hear, though, that's all the rage, like Aladdin, Lion King. They're true. Beauty and the Beast, all it's of that just, shit. If you're going to change, if you're going to re- like people complained about Ocean's 8 and the worst things about Ocean 8 were the things that they just copied from Ocean's 11, like the fact, like the entire scene outside the warehouse where they're like, oh, is it about no, the, the guy? The worst things about Ocean's 8 were the fact that it didn't look 
oh, as no, glamorous that, okay. as the subject matter. That too. I don't mind a re- repetition of a story mm. if it's just a fun iteration of it, but if it's like no thought No, but they it, have they have an opportunity to, to do, do something, something different. To say and and something that, that's different. why I don't think the, uh, the the ending definitely has to change. There will be something new with the ending. And when you see the movie, you'll know what I mean when you because I don't want to say what happens at the end. Um, but yeah, I'm just so disappointed that I was so excited for that movie. I was so excited. And then in seeing the trailer, uh, yeah, but, but yeah, recommendations. recommendations. So uh, I, I'll start, and yeah, you start I, yeah. with your recommendation on the tick. Uh, I went through and I I made an effort to watch more than the assigned episodes. Oh, thanks, but you didn't make it. I didn't like it. You I'm waiting suck. for the joke. I'm waiting for the hook, and this story just it seems like like the the, the show seems like a bunch of riffs mm. on things to me without any like gel holding it together. And I thought it was maybe interesting where they're going for is he imagining the tick? And I thought Which is, is he actually the, yeah. is she is he the tick in real life? is what I thought is he actually a superhero and part of his superpower is that he's like disjointed his psych personality or mm. whatever. And he's actually the tick and he's got super strength and stuff. And he invents it in his head as having this suit, the moth suit or whatever yeah. that doesn't fly for some reason. And I'm only three episodes in, so yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. it flies at a later um, point. Yeah, well. But I was like, like there were things I liked. Peter Serenoff or quick. Um, yeah. Peter Serenoff. Uh, yeah. He's, entertaining he maintains his thing um but and and jackie o'haley is really compelling yeah. as is it the t- it's the terror yeah like i was like that should be a really campy bad choice and it actually kind of was a bit freaky mm. it felt to me like a freaky good choice i was just waiting for the interesting riff i like that it was a noir tone but it never leaned into it as heavy as i like if i'm like if you're going noir go fucking all out on the noir yeah. but it would only touch on noir it would only touch on the camp would only touch on the meta and i'm like if they pick a lane and like went all out on that lane i think i'd grab onto it more right. but i'm just seeing a lot of little things that are cool but not anything major that grabs me in so it's not like a bad show although occasionally some of the effects are really cheap oh yeah the effect uh, really uh, cheap. and oh, oh, honestly the costume from the episode one i like it. it's like you've changed <laughs> really <laughs> and then goes on with it. Yeah. I was like, okay, good. They acknowledged that, uh, that, that they were witty enough to do you, that. You did see the one bit in episode one that was so clearly a reshoot. Oh, I don't even recall uh, it. There's a moment where you don't quite see uh, see the tick. You can only kind of see his face, but it's so obvious that he's wearing the new costume. Uh, and it's like, oh, that's clearly a reshoot to join in with the rest of the series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was, like, it was interesting. I, I was, I'm glad I saw it mm. and I didn't hate it, but I was just kind of like, we're like super compelled by it. Um, uh, I was like, what did you think of the technology? <laughs> I loved it. I watched the whole series. You should too. There's only like seven episodes left. You can do it. I believe in you. Oh, there's 10 per season. I thought it might yeah. have been shorter, like an eight. Like I could manage an eight. Oh, but you can't manage 10. <laughs> Fuck not you. Not a 10. Not a 10. Um, so now on to, I guess, Night Owls. Yeah, Night Owls. Joshua's recommendation, which stars Adam Pally and Rosa Salazar, which I you informed me she's the actress from Alita and I did not even recognise her without the giant eyes and the body made of CGI. Uh, but you didn't notice the robot arm she constantly had. No, yeah. no, no, no. So Night Owls is an interesting sort of, uh, I want to say a dramatic, uh, it's a, it's a, sits in that weird place between a couple of genres. It's, it's, it's kind it's of a, a quirky drama. Yeah. Quirky drama. That's a good, that's mm. a good descriptor about a guy who sort of goes home with a woman. She 
swallows a bunch of pills and then he has to, he makes her like throw up and then he has to keep her awake so that she doesn't so die. I thought that was like a really interesting way to get two people to have to sit together yeah. who don't know each other, who maybe don't want to be with each other. And and I like I, the first half of the film I found was much stronger than the second half. Yeah. Because like at that point it stopped. turns into a sports movie. <laughs> and I was like, okay, it's a sports thing. Question they, they, they mention it throughout the start. They keep on calling the guy coach. And I was like, why are they calling this guy coach? But everyone's I thought nickname they were a is business. coach in every American movie. Every American guy's nickname is coach or chief or you no know, bucko. Or I don't even know what, but like I was, I wanted that intimate drama and then it turns into this weird political blackmailing thing and then it kind of peters off towards the end. I really wanted this, the promise of the first half of the movie and then just became another movie in the second yeah. half with all those actors that come in at the end. I was just like, I wanted to like it more than I did. I didn't hate it and yeah. I thought I, I really like some of the longer takes, some of the more classical staging that went on, especially yeah. in the first half. And even that changed in the second half of the movie becomes handheld coverage mm. essentially. Whereas in the first half, there's a lot of dollies, cranes, jibs, little intimate longer takes, zooms. Occasionally I was like, oh, this movie's using some zooms in some cool ways. So there was those kind of things I was grabbing onto in the first half and then the movie let go of them when it became a sports drama. Yeah. So I, I, I have mixed feelings about it all. But I know Josh doesn't rate it as like the best thing he's ever yeah. seen. He rates it as three stars on on. Uh, well, the I, I thought that uh, what it showed was even when you've got like this slice of life short drama story, it was structurally three acts. The, the characters grew. There was a very clear climax. And though I think it was probably too structural to a fault, there were moments specifically throughout that second half where I could – like by the second predict the ebb and flow of emotions. I was like, Oh, and now they're going to go apart mm. and now they're going to come up and now they're going to go down. And I think it, I, I think it like shows how important it is to have that structure of stuff. Um, especially also not to deviate, not yet. Uh, no, to deviate. If yeah, you need exactly. To, to, to change it up, to just get that little bit of, not not so stringent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I thought, I thought it was quite good. I thought the performances were great. Uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Adam Pally is it's it's good. I, he doesn't deviate from that personality that he has, mm. but he does enough iterations, like some variations on it, that I find him compelling in pretty much everything I see him in. Yeah. Uh, so, what about now? My recommendation: uh, Delusions uh, of Modern Primitivism, which is um, which was very short. It's only seventeen minutes. Uh, Twelve minutes. 15? Twelve minutes. Twelve yeah. and a half minutes or so. Cool. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's. You had actually told me about this years ago. I'm annoyed and because I completely the, the, the best forgot part, about oh, it. Oh, good. Uh, well, no, it was about like halfway through that I realized what it was. I was like, oh, this is that one. Oh, cool. I get to see this. The The entire ending, I was laughing so much because I was like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, yeah. It's such a great, they use this as an example of, taking expectations and throwing yeah. them out the window in film school. And I thought it was one of the better things I'd seen in film school because it's like, are they going, and it's played because it's so, it's, it's spoilers, I guess, for our audience who've watched yeah. it. If you haven't seen it now, stop. It's in the show notes of our, uh, of two, two episodes ago, two episodes ago um, to say, you know, what it is. And so it's a mockumentary, but it's played, mm dead straight. Oh yeah. I, I was, I was trying to remember whether you had told me it was real or not. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's fake. Oh, and you I'm only pretty. find out it's fake 
when the credits come up, it's like written and directed by, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay, it's a fiction thing because it's about a guy obsessed with tattoos and piercings, but he's above it all now because yeah, he's, he's done enough. So he decides to go and get bullet scars from being <laughs> shot, and that's like the the self scarification yeah, kind of thing. Because each scar tells a story. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like the guy who's like the the, the medical guy, like giving him like the the, the bullet artist, I yeah. guess you could say, he's like you just like fuck. Is this real? Is this not? It's such a great play on 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 those things. So I'm I, I I totally bought into the world that they had created because because. The, the main guy, the guy who wanted to, I thought he was such a wanker. And I'm like, yeah, I've spoken to this person before. I know this person. It's and such then a when- great character study. And mm. a lot of short films are never character studies. They're gags that tell you about, like they show you a certain type of person reacting to a gag. Whereas this was like a full yeah. examination in 12 and a half minutes, which I found really compelling. Yeah. Yeah, so. no, I, I thought it was really fascinating. I'd love to hear what Josh had to think of it, but I guess uh, we'll my, never my know. Thought, my thoughts. Uh, and oh, no, I can't do, I can't do an impression. I just you, you're speak. too mumbly. He doesn't mumble. He's quiet. He's it's, quiet. Yeah, yeah, there's a difference. There's a difference. But so before we get into our topic, recommendations for next two, from two weeks from now. Yes. I thought we'd go. So Chance, so what is your I recommendation? I want you to feel my pain and see what I mean and tell me I'm not fucking crazy. Because I was talking to someone about that, that the hustle trailer and they're like, oh, it looks like in Dirty Ron Scoundrels, they're against each other. In the hustle, they're working together. And I'm like, no, no, that's how the first half of the movie plays out. They make you think because it, you specifically know Michael Caine's uh, motivation throughout. Anyway, I'm telling you, you're watching Dirty Ron Scoundrels. And Josh is too. Josh is too. Fuck you, Josh. You're watching Dirty Ron Scoundrels You're giving too. feedback on it. Um, awesome. And I've been meaning to watch that one for a while now because mm. since I knew it was your favorite movie. My recommendation is one I've told you about before, but it's on yeah. SBS On Demand. Oh, great. Uh, SBS On Demand isn't working on my Xbox at the moment. Oh, no. I know. It's real upsetting. But I can go on the computer. Else? It's fine. So, or I can lend you my Blu-ray of it. I'm right. recommending The Disappearance of Alice Creed. Okay, cool, cool. Which is a smart little clever thriller that not many people know. Mm. Uh, so I'm excited for you to see that one and, and have thoughts on Josh too. So it's yeah. available on SBS no Man. And you can watch along these recommendations and let us know your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And stuff like that. We'll put the recommendations in the show notes and everything. And uh, Josh, what do, you, what, do you, what do you reckon we should watch? Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah no. Cool. Very nice. Very, very nice. quiet today, Josh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so on the main topic, um, we, we, we'll let that run a little bit long, but CGI and practical. What is CGI and what is practical? Well, CGI is computer generated images and it is computer generated images. Whereas images pra- from the computer? That the computer generates. It's true. Wow. <laughs> uh, whereas practical effects are practical physical effects manifested in the real world. Well, the difference, I, I say practical is in camera. It's usually yeah. in camera. Um, and because CGI can technically include things. So early CGI's was, it was optically printed. So they yeah. weren't done in a computer, but they would get a dozen pieces of film and then have them like, printed all onto the same square. Exactly. And compositing is the original CGI. Yeah, yeah. And compositing is now done in a computer, but it mm. started optically printing. And I would classify optical printing as as CGI rather than practical what effects. What about rear me. projection? Reprojection is so. So you mean like a process? That's called a process shot. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit of j- jargon and stuff, but Definitely. I think our listeners are kind of into it. Um, so it's called a process shot, and that is to me a practical effect. Okay, cool. Because it's all captured in, in camera. Yeah, no, fair enough. Because I was wondering uh, with um, 
Uh, have you watched uh, Escape from New York yet? No, not yet. There's uh, two great moments. Is that uh, so my next recommendation? Yes. <laughs> uh, you've got the reprojection reprodu- uh, helicopter in city and stuff, and that kind of looks dodgy. I always find reprojection reprodu- very rarely sells it. Um, but then there's- but I love it when it's used deliberately, like in Kill Bill. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I love, I love ironic reprojection. And then there is a great moment of uh, when you see the map of the city as a snake is flying through it and you see the little thing. And it's, it looks like these wireframe 3D models that you'd create. They're cardboard boxes with tape. That's brilliant. It, it, and, and like once you know that and you watch it, you still can't tell. It looks like a wireframe computer generated image, but no, that is a practical Did they shoot it with a studded frame rate? Uh, to probably, make it look yeah, like the computer's going to- I know there's also- I think it was a rear projection shot where they there's meant to be water, so they just had concrete floor wetted, and then lit it, and the water reflects. Uh, so so the one layer of water on this concrete reflects, and it looks like the ocean. Oh my god, that's cool! Sorry, um, Escape from New York, great movie for practical. Some, some other kinds of practical effects that are a little bit more tricky. So. Well, the, the one that the obvious one that a lot of people go to is makeup versus CG monsters. Mm. You know, yeah. the Del Toro creature with the actual skin and all that versus yeah. Beauty and the Beast. You know, yeah, which is a guy in like a fluffy suit that will be CGI'd over to yeah. look like a thing. Uh, you got matte paintings, which have moved into the digital world, but they started mm. as they'd like position it with scale, like with the proper scale sort of thing. Yep. You know, there's that famous photo of James Cameron painting the thing from the thing or escape from New York or yeah, whichever uh, yeah. it is. Um, I learned about something just recently called the Shuftan process, Ooh. which is, so they'd, this is how they put people into scale models. So they'd build a scale model and they mm. put it to like one side of the camera. Then they'd angle a mirror that had a hole in it over like an actor just standing up on top of the thing. And so yeah. then, it, then you all lined it up and it looks like the actor was standing on top of this mountain thing. I'll put a link to this, this image. Like Please a, do, a little video the classic Charlie Chaplin one where it shows like them film through a matte painting, so they've got this. Oh, matte that's painting when he's like over the glass. roller rink. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. But this is this is but even this cleverer is than that. I'll mirrors. see if I can find it. This is mirrors. Um, it's like a really there's a really cool GIF of it. But uh, there's a shift-down process in Metropolis. It was used predominantly in Metropolis. Oh, Fritz okay. Lang did yeah. a lot of this stuff um, in camera magic tricks. George Millais did a lot of. He was almost like the pioneer of computer because he would do rotoscoping he yeah. would hand he just had to do it by hand because he didn't have computers and he'd hand rotoscope he'd film a thing with only like the head so you know there's the famous, the famous short where, where, where he and, takes off his head yeah. and puts it in takes off his head again and puts in takes off his head and put it in and he plays in like drums or something like that he was sort of like the grandfather of visual effects in that way more so than practical effects he did practical effects like smoke mm. and sets and and all that kind of things but and he was doing it in the 1910s which yeah. is just nuts to me um green screen which was an optical process mm. and even back in the day and i found out why it's green is because the way when they had to do like when you're changing over the negative it turns it like orange and orange is the way to get rid of it like i remember reading in there, this there book, are several different versions to do it on film because the original one is yellow because and that was on i want to say wizard of oz it was the they they would shoot everything with yellow and the there was a specific a chemical they'd put through that would make you look through it. At the moment, the reason it's green is because the way camera sensors work, digital camera sensors, each pixel has um, four little dots where it reads color. You've got one blue, one red, two green. So naturally you use green screen because it's going to pick up green much better because each pixel is picking up two bits of green information. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember why they used blue screen. I'm going to blame VHS. Yeah. Um, I don't actually remember why, but 
but it also like it was because blue is a more like green is a, also a less common color for exactly. people to be wearing. Um, you know, and also our skin, it's the exact opposite of our skin. Yeah. 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 Our skin is red based. Um, the first sort of CGI character on a major film was young Sherlock Holmes, the glass you knight. Say major film. I don't think there was any other film that really did it because then no one had no, the, budget. The, the, the first, uh, big budget film to do it was obviously uh, star Wars episode one with Jar Jar Binks using motion capture. That but- was a full involved character, but like the mm. full CG, ca- like a computer generated thing in yep. a scene was, was the, young uh, Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes, Holmes and then Jurassic Park. Where does, um, uh, Jurassic Park did it before, but as far as the CGI, like a completely uh, generated no, no, I, character. I mean, um, oh, what's the fucking movie called with Jennifer Connelly and David Bowie's dick labyrinth. Uh, where does labyrinth play? Cause labyrinth uh, starts labyrinth with the, uh, it starts with the CGI owl that looks really terrible. I don't flying even... through the uh, the Tyler sequence and then it turns into a real owl at the very end. I don't know, but I just know young Sherlock Holmes is often cited as, scene, as yeah. doing that. Um, Jurassic Park changed the game, yes. as did James Cameron with The Abyss and Terminator 2, both. Yeah. With, with that liquid <clears throat> Yeah, the liquid of... simulation and, and doing that with characters. Uh, so why is there a debate about, about uh, digital versus practical? Because people are wankers and they like to complain about stuff and compare things and everything. Yeah, I mean, it's just like the film versus digital. Yeah, it can be. It can be partly a puritanical thing, which Mm. I don't agree with. Well, there was that movie that came out, The Void, where they were puritanical. That was the production company that was hired on the 2010 thing. They used fucking CGI. In the Void. In the Void. Yes, I guarantee you. There's several moments of CGI. Bastards. But they specifically used all. A lot of practical work, and they build it. That was part of their marketing. Yeah, sort of. Um, the latter, sort of the 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 digital and the CGI. I reckon there is a truth to the argument. It's giving rise oh, to like a absolutely. tremendous amount of laziness and lack of craft and doing it during shooting. There's a sense of discipline that's going. It's mm. the you know the the, uh, the the cliche we'll fix it in post. Yeah, but everyone jokes about it because now it's known as a joke. But it still actually happens, no, and I know it happens even on giant. Uh, spoken to people who worked on giant big budget films and they're like, yeah, we'll fix it in post. Mm. And they'll just, and they'll throw, they have the yeah, money, to, they throw have the money to throw at it. But then it never looks good. Like it, it's always, you know. Well, um, well, explosions is a big one. Explosions and squibs. Yeah. So blood squibs when people get shot. Uh, I believe it was the expendables that di- used digital squibs for the first time a lot. And that was because they were, they were shooting to a time limit and they're like, Hey, look, we can shoot this once. We can shoot this as many times as we want. We never have to reset. We've got the time. We just go boom, 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 boom. So they did it digitally. Whereas if you do practical, you got to go, all right, let's set up all these squibs. We have to reset. All right. Now we have to completely reset costume, reset squibs, reset everything. Yeah. And And then you maybe get like two shots, two takes of it. Um, And yeah, in the expendables, it is done. Terribly, terribly. It um, is so but even done. practical effects can go the wrong way too. I've seen some bad, like oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things I don't really like is um, uh, like the look of the Hellboy character because they're too heavy on it. Mm. They're not able to, you know. Oh, when you say the Hellboy character, you mean new Hellboy? New Hellboy, yeah, yeah. not old okay, Hellboy okay, at all. Okay. No, I was gonna fucking stab you. No, no. Um, and but you can see, you know, and makeup effects artists are kind of a dying breed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a brilliant version of it is the thing, obviously. Mm. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, the Gollum was originally going to be a practical character 
And when they, they realized- They didn't know how they were going to do it. Well, yeah, when they realized it wasn't going to work, they hired the same practical makeup artist to do the digital makeup. Yeah. And that's why its textures look so good. Because but they also invented subsurface scattering yeah, exactly. to do that, which is what everyone talks about it being a matter of texturing. It's lighting. It's lighting. It's all it's, lighting. It's all lighting. It's all lighting. Um, I have made some terrible CGI with terrible textures look real in a space due to lighting. And that was in an argument I had with someone who was like, oh, you know, this thing isn't working. I'm just going to ask them for a bigger budget for, 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 for better CGI apples. And mm. I was like, fuck off light it properly. Look at the light mm. in the scene, light it this way. And he was like, no, no, that's not what it is. That's always, he went, he went on lunch. I jumped on the computer, changed the light. He came back and he's like, oh wow, that looks really great. How'd you do that? And I'm like, I fucking wonder, maybe I updated the textures, you dickhead. <laughs> um, I think it's also a big part of why it becomes an issue is it's used a lot these days as sort of people in charge being able to, who aren't artistically minding, being able to fiddle and nitpick things. I Beauty and the Beast, I know the remake, that yeah. they wanted a live action Beauty and the Beast and the studio said no. And it's very clear the studio said no because in case the Beast was too scary, they could make it friendlier. They could go back and reshape yeah. the look of the Beast so that they weren't going to, you know, upset anyone with it. And that to me is sort of, I don't like that idea. See, I feel like even then they should have shot it practically and then you enhance it with CGI. Which, which is, is exactly the- what they did with The Shape of Water. Yeah, exactly. 100% what they Absolutely. did. Absolutely. And, and and it's what they did in Hellboy. It's what it's what Guillermo del Toro does. does it yeah. looks great because it's physically it, there. You've just enhanced it. The I'm ghosts gonna, in Crimson Peak. Yes. Oh, my uh, God. Because they were all practical. You can see these behind. I'll see if I can find like a mm. thing and put that in the show notes um, because- he did the whole ghost through makeup and then the transparency and the ghostliness was added after the fact, but they shot them for real in the scene. Um, um, I know we've spoken about it when the movie came out, but Jurassic world, looking at Jurassic world and looking at Jurassic world, the uh, forgotten fucking title. Um, the, the, the difference between the first one and it's all CGI. The, the Velociraptor is in a cage not moving and they still made it out of CGI. Whereas in a uh, uh, forbidden uh, sequel, they, uh, they were so clearly physically there. You saw him touching it and it looks real. They've just enhanced it with that CGI. And, and that's a lot of the time how it should be handled. Yeah. That combination of the two, mm. these are two fighting forces. Mm. What advantages do CGI have over practical effects and vice versa though? Well, I'd say with CGI, obviously you have more time shooting so you can do extra takes like when you're doing squibs and stuff. Also CGI, you can technically do anything. Yeah, uh, there is no limit. There is no real limit (laughs) to the size and the scope, whereas you can't build, you know, a giant full scale this. I know that's what makes Jurassic Park so great is they built almost a full T-Rex, not the full T-Rex, but like the head and the arms and all that. So that's why all those close-ups of the cars, that's all real. And it's just the wide one where he's roaring his CGI. Uh, Because that's sure what's the famous thing and he has like eight minutes of actual CGI in it and you would never believe that in a million years. Anthony Hopkins. In 65 million years. Uh (laughs) Um, And the challenge is usually making it look photo real. You can do anything 
but you can't make it sit in the scene as mm. easily. Whereas practical always sits in the scene. It has yeah. a tactile feel in camera. You, you can you, you can feel that it's there. Yeah, but typically they almost cost about the same and the same amount of time, just there's more time in post versus more time on a shoot. Yeah. Uh, uh, so working on my sort of level, I generally go towards CGI because I know that we're not going to have time on shoot and because I know how to do that CGI. I would never uh, try and do something that I don't know how to do, mm. but because I know how to do this, you know, I was like, you know, we'll do, we'll, we'll make digital squibs all throughout uh, pizza in pizza. Uh, all the gunshots are digital because we didn't have the money to get a real fucking and set them off in the middle of a suburban house. No, exactly. And even if you don't have that, the, the, what you should be doing is you set up a light that you turn on when a gun fight, a gun is meant to, because a gunshot is a little explosion. Was it, there was that really cool article where they attached a light to the yes. end of the gun that went, that was censored by the trigger. So every time you hit the trigger, it flashed the light. That's the ideal it's the world. genius. I was like, how the fuck did I not think of that? Because that's so perfect. See, and with um, the way we shot pizza, I made sure that we had the flexibility that I could add those lighting effects afterwards and they wouldn't, destroy the image. Whereas I have seen a film, I'm not going to name names shot by someone who didn't think that way. Mm. And they specifically, because they were obviously also very small budgeted. uh, They had a gunshot go off, but it was really low key lighting. Everything was black. And you see the final product when he shoots the gun and his face is just a mess of gray. It's ugly. And it's because you didn't plan for it that it mm. didn't work. And also you didn't talk to me about it. It's not like I'm a VFX artist <laughs> or anything. It's fine, guys. Uh, so good versus bad on on those. What's some like, what makes bad practical? Bad practical? Uh, cheap. I'm not going to point to Doctor Who, but Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, makeup seams being visible. Yeah. Oh, that's a big one. That's a big one. Badly applied. So get mm. good applicant. It doesn't matter how good your prosthetics are. I've seen some, like I've seen some scar work. I was on a short and they had a scar work and I was like, and it was like a raised scar, but it just didn't match. And I'm like, just get some rigid collodion. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a raised scar. Most scars aren't raised because it doesn't have to be very specifically cut in order to cause a mm. raised scar. Most scars are, uh, are concave. Uh, yeah, concave. Concave. And so rigid collodion puckers the skin and basically makes mm. concave things. And I was on another set and I recommended, I said, they wanted the scar across the eye for like a villain. Yeah. I said, rigid clone, they did it. And cause it's concave when you then light it, it's the shadows sit there Absolutely. perfectly and you can see it in that kind of hard lighting. A um, rigid collodion is amazing. I wore rigid collodion to our year 12 formal. Oh, when I went yeah, as a joker. That's the joker. Yeah. Um, and I tore it off my face. It I hurt. think when the makeup's too heavy and it overrides the performance, i.e. the new Hellboy. The new Hellboy, yeah. Versus you can have a really big makeup, like the Grinch mm. that, doesn't with the performance you need an actor that can no, that's perform. Jim Carrey. That's Jim okay, Carrey. I'm just pointing that out being this is Jim said, Carrey. Though, there is a moment that that evil smile they enhance that with CGI. They oh really? Pull, they just pull the edges of his mouth just past the beyond the. They don't oh, have to great. do it, but that you know that he turns around, it's like that Grinch, and it's like yeah. When you first see his face, they pull the smile further in CGI, but not too much, just enough to make it look yeah. a little more sinister. Less is more. Yeah, yeah. So uh, about good CG is always invisible. Yeah, that, that's David the thing. Fincher. 
Exactly. Uh, we'll, we'll link to that in the show notes, but there's a video about how all of David Finch's blood is is CGI. And I saw this video and I didn't know that. And I was like, what? Because there's a scene where Daniel Craig's in the shower washing off blood and it's all CGI. And I'm like, what the fuck? No, seriously? <laughs> and they show you the breakdown of it. And I'm like losing my mind because you're not expect you're expecting fake blood on like a big expendables looking thing. Yeah. But on, <clears throat> sorry, girl with the dragon tattoo, you're not. Well, um, uh, what's his name? David Fincher is, uh, he is a legend for CGI because his, his films are filled with CGI, but they're all in the Winklevoss twins. Yeah. Is nuts. Uh, it's, he's good. He's very good at what he does, but he always uses it as like an extension of things. No, exactly. He uses it for a storytelling reason. He uses it for his control. And and that's one of the great things about CGI is you have that level of control. And that's what uh, yeah. David Fincher uses it for when, um, I'm trying to think, uh, actually, no, Michael Bay uses, he is really good at controlling CGI. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, cause with him, actually, if you want a really good example, like lesson in CGI, his commentary on Transformers is yeah. brilliant. And he's like, it's all lighting. It's not textures. It's lighting. Cause mm. your textures can be as textured as you fucking, if it's lit flat, it's going to look flat and it's going to look like it's not real. Yeah. He's all about the lighting and his specifically Transformers one commentary is brilliant yes. to learn about big budget CGI. And although I haven't seen four or five or Bumblebee for that matter, CGI in Transformers One holds up. Yeah, there are there are times where he's grabbing Sam Witwicky, and I believe it. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, oh man, I just remembered some of the worst CGI from a Guillermo del Toro film, Blade Two. Uh, there's a moment where Blade jumps from the sky, lands, and you can tell the moment he turns into a live action character again. There's a lot in that era. There was Early a lot CGI of that. Like, was, like Spider Man One does not hold uh, up. X Men One doesn't either. Well, but, see, but I don't remember there being a significant amount of CGI. When was the last that? time you watched X Men? It was 1? a while ago. The, which- the entire finale fight scene, um, a lot of that was CGI. Like the part that they stole in Black Panther, where uh, Wolverine jumps up and like slices off one of the tips of the thing, and he like swings around it. That's all CG. Oh, okay. Looks ugly. Does it? I, I'm thinking of like when they're in the middle of the thing and there's a thing spinning around them and right, I'm thinking, no, no, and the no, guy no. turning into water. I know that doesn't, yeah. that's dated very badly. It still creeped me out when I was a kid. Oh yeah. That was, I was like, Ugh. Ugh, it was gross. But um, I think that's about, that's a good place to sort of end it. Um, yeah. I was going to say, oh, what was the other thing? No. Oh, another good tip is if you have a CGI moment, you make it shorter because yeah. the less time you have to look at it, the le- the e- the more it goes by, and you just Absolutely, buy it in yeah. the flow of the story. That's one of the things I found. The shorter the visual effects shot, the better. Yeah, no, absolutely. And as far as like me as a VFX artist goes, it's a lot harder to do. Uh, some of the so in Pizza Deliverance, there's specifically a scene where Kyle and Shanae are talking, and that was. That was a time where on the day I, I was said like, you could have, I was, I told you, you could have, this is with the blood behind Sinead's yeah. head. Yeah. yeah, uh, no, yeah. Uh, the blood spatter on the blood wall. behind Kyle's head. Yeah. Sorry. Kyle's yeah. head. And I told you, I was like, you could get away with not having it there. No one will notice. And you're like, no, yes, they will notice. And you, so you stuck with it. And I was like, Oh, you're killing yourself. Man. Hey, no one can tell it's, it's fake. No, but <laughs> but it took me a lot of fucking lot work. Of fucking work. Um, <laughs> but anyway, that's a good place to end it. So we'll do our top five now. I thought top five yep. CGI or practical moments yeah. in films. Because um, they're, they're both valid versions. They're both valid versions. So my number five is a CGI version, and it is T two Judgment Day. It is him yeah, walking absolutely. through the wall. It kind of still holds up. 
mm. kind of still works, especially just with the texture of the film around it matches it enough where you kind of go and with can it. Can I say that uh, that still has some of the most impressive practical work I've seen the pla- using the helico- twins twice because there is the scene where he comes out of the thing and he turns into the fat security guy and then stabs him. Oh, yeah, yeah. They are twins. There are two. There are two people who is the fat security man who look exactly the same. Same with Linda Hamilton. They oh they use her twin twice as a double. So there's a so moment Texas switches. Yeah, uh, yeah. So there's a yeah. moment where they're looking through a mirror and you see Arnold Schwarzenegger talking in the mirror while they're doing surgery to her head. Uh, Linda Hamilton's twin is in front of the camera doing it to a plastic head that is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger and Linda Hamilton are sitting oh, on the other wow. side of the window. That's crazy. Actually going That's through so the scene. Smart. And then there's also at the very end when the T2 turns into uh, Sarah Connor. That's Linda Hamilton's twin again. Uh, um, number four is the Brachiosaur from Jurassic Park because that's iconic. Yes. That's an iconic moment. Absolutely. Number three is when they fold, and this is a mixture of practical and CGI, it's when mm-hmm. they fold Paris in yep. Inception because they basically like film them scale models, folding them up and then stitch them into the scene and because the detail on the models was so perfect, it, that scene just works it's mm. insane um number two is the this is a practical this is the market from hellboy 2 yeah oh, this is okay. just a cornucopia of the most del toro-esque del toro <laughs> creations <laughs> ever put into the same thing i even love the uh, just outside of them, that scene the, the the angel of death is i love that makeup yeah that creature design everything about it is fucking gold but um and number one is Pan from Pan's Labyrinth. Pan's Labyrinth ends up on yeah. my number one a lot. No, or the Pale Man as an example of a really genius mix because, yeah, because his, his legs, legs are all CGR. So, yeah. so they they, no, they did uh, makeup over a part of it and then he's wearing like green spandex underneath it and then they just removed the green from legs. So he has like these stick thin legs and it's creepy as fuck. But that's using just enough CGI mixed with the practical. Del Toro is, yeah. oh, as Del far Toro as I'm concerned, he's the king of, of this. That. He's the king of this. And because he respects both equally. Yeah. It's just genius. So that's my pick. Chance, what do you Okay, want? so I'll start with my five. Uh, number five, I'm going to go with a digital effect. It is all of District 9. District 9's digital effects still hold up today. And at the time, I was still amazed. Like when I was watching it, I forgot that I was watching CGI characters talk. Okay. Now, I know you don't like that movie. No. That's because you're tasteless and gross. But this, this, and that was because it was directed by... A visual, a visual effects, effects artist. artist. But see, that doesn't always work because Aragon was also directed by a visual oh, effects really? artist. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, my next one, I will go for Jurassic Park, but I'm going to go for the T-Rex attack. Yeah. Uh, as in because, in and I'm mirror. talking the entire sequence because it is, each shot is, it's CGI, it's practical, it's CGI, it's practical. They're mixing it up so you're never getting used to it at any one time. Yeah. So it's always- That's the genius of that movie and that's why the CGI still holds up to this day. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, My next one's going to be Transformers. I couldn't pick a specific moment in that first movie. Uh, I'll say the part where all of them first meet and that like the- camera swings around them. Oh, I yeah. don't know. It, it is still. It is. A, it is great. It's great. I, was, I, I lost my shit that Transformers lost the Oscar for visual effects to the golden fucking compass because the golden <laughs> fucking compass was dog shit. It really in my was. opinion, the CGI, the, the, the demons, the little yeah. demons things, all those animals, they look rubbish. And I was like, Transformers is objectively better CGI, mm. objectively better work there. So, okay. So 
my next one was Hellboy to the Marketplace, but no, uh, keep it. No, keep it. I'm no. It's Shape of Water. Uh, just fucking a fish man. Uh, because that that is once again that is a Doug Jones and a practical suit that has been enhanced by digital effects. It was how they did Abe Sapien. It's how they did uh, Pale Man. And I don't think Pan was changed digitally, was he? There's a couple little micro expressions they add, I think, but a lot of it, that is animatronic faces stuff. Yeah. But yeah. He really is the king of combining both and getting the best out of both And never letting you know where the seams are so that, and the seams are in different places all the time. So then you, you have to pay attention to the story and you forget that you're watching exactly. effects, which is that's what you should do. And my last one is The Thing. It is the practical, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the hands through the, the chest. hands through the chest. That entire sequence. Defibrillator sequence. Jesus Ooh. Christ. That, that, oh, that movie is brilliant. It really is. It's uh, so good. And it's really disappointing that the sequel, prequel, remake thing was- of the an thing. example <laughs> of the thing was an example of them. They, they hired a practical effects company. This was the company that did that created the void. This is the production company that made the void. The void was a reaction to the fact that they got redone out of the thing because they all the effects were done practically. You can find the BTS of them doing the things practically. Uh, I found a, a VFX breakdown of each shot, and you see the practical shot. Then they digitally remove the practical character and digitally Why? add the digital creation. It's like, no, that's not enhancing. You go through a process of removing that character. What is the reason of that? It's It was so utterly frustrating. Mm. Um, and I still then, need to see that, but... I you you should. I, I think it's a fine movie and it's, it's a fun little prequel to the thing. There are little moments that, uh, you know, Link link back in and uh, it's Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Who's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's also Isn't she supposed wait, to be Swiss. Who's no, uh, you got to watch a movie. Okay. Who's not Jay Courtney, Sam Worthington. He's in it though. Really? That's the, that's, they're not even similar. Oh no, Sam. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah sorry, no. Sam Worthington, Jay Courtney, practically the same person. Yeah, they're uh, Australians who are in, America who doing American uh, big budget uh, sci-fi stuff, but they, but they, they, they both just guys, why don't, who are they? I don't care. They're the most forgettable people in the world. <laughs> well, that's it for our talk. If you have a top five favorite practical CGI moments, let us know in, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at picture Rangers. You can email us at mighty motion, sorry, motion picture rangers at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Shane M underscore Anderson and on letterboxd at two twenty four frames. You can find me on Instagram at the Chancellor. And Hey, do you know where you can find a film that uses a great use of practical and visual effects. Does it though? Uh, you had those, what was it? The, 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 the rag dolls made from my body. And then we only ended up using one. I'm pretty sure. In camera. Yeah. I was going to say, I only know one shot where you can tell it's that, but that's only because I, I was looking for it. Oh, yeah. I was like, where is it? Where is it? I, we where played, is- I laid them in and I just didn't buy any of them. Um, so that was the only one where I buy it because it just falls with the right weight. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause yeah, I was, I specifically watched it going, where did I go? I was in this movie five times. <laughs> Where am I? 
Um, but yeah, it's Red Curtain Hell. That's what I was talking about. Red Curtain Hell. Uh, you can see it on Vimeo On Demand. That's vimeo.com slash on demand slash Red Curtain Hell. Use the code Picture Rangers to get 20% off your rental or purchase. And there's some behind the scenes and you can see some of our practical effects. There's a sink in looking from the point of view yes, of the sink the shot. Sink. And we show some behind the scenes of that, some photos and stuff. You can see how some of the, the seams and things are done. So I didn't do a VFX breakdown, but... Uh, uh, VFX breakdowns are fun though. No, because you have to actually CGI a CGI, a CGI breakdown, breakdown, which yeah. to me is so redundant. Well, the ones that Joe does for his BTS is a ama- Joe Bauer, uh, Australians, the killage. He goes into a lot of effort to do those breakdowns because like you see the 3D models. And then he pulls it apart and then it comes yeah. back to you. I'm like... Is there going to be a CGI breakdown of the CGI breakdown at some point? I'm hoping so. I would watch the <laughs> fuck out of that because I want to know how he does that pull apart thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should have asked him when you you embarrassingly met him that one time. Look, when I embarrassingly met him that time, there was only so much time I could like mop up my drool and whimper. So, you know, <laughs> I had my priorities on straight. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, tune in again next week for another exciting episode and we'll see you then. Bye.